This video is made in partnership with Av Buyer, the home of all aircraft for sale worldwide and the latest actionable intelligence in print, digital, and online. Check out avbuyer.com. In a year, if you're flying 800,000 uh, hours a year, what do you think the all-in somebody should better be able to, to, to blow on, on their aviation budget? About eight million dollars. You're gonna buy it for you know six, seven, eight million dollars, and you're gonna use it for six, seven, eight million dollars. The goal today is is to talk kind of all things heavy jets. You know who should buy a heavy jet, who should charter a heavy jet. What's the mission of a heavy jet? How do you qualify a heavy jet? Because I know there's sometimes some confusion out there when you go from mid to super mids to heavies to ultra long range. So maybe you can clear some of that up for us. And then of course, we want to talk about the advantages of investing in a heavy jet for your own personal use, but also partnering with a charter company like yourselves to offset or maybe even generate some revenue, or maybe not. We'll get into that into more detail. Yeah, so Global Air Charters is a uh, FAA certified, you know, 135 air carrier. Uh, we have worldwide OPSPECs. We are truly global in nature. Uh, we have uh, five uh, ultra long range aircraft at this time. Uh, we're, in, we're definitely in growth mode. Um, the company is what I would consider in its uh, youth or adolescent um, phase of life. So Global Air Charters, basically a charter company. You have some management, some sales as part of that as well. Tell us about your client base. Who are the personas that you serve when it comes to charter and when it comes to actually acquiring, purchasing a jet and even those who partner with you? So for the charter side, we have um, we have two distinct groups that we really work with. One is the, uh, the brokerage marketplace. Uh, those are larger brokerage firms like Air Partner or Air Charter Service. Uh, and then smaller firms like Monarch Air Group uh, and everyone in between. And then the other facet of that is we have our own retail clients that we serve. So we have our own book of business. We have internal sales and external sales team. Um, and then that book of business, we service uh, either on our own assets, our own metal, or we put them or we actually charter out and put them on lights and midsize jets if necessary. So we're a full, you know, we're a full service shop. So let's talk about the difference between a, a, a heavy jet. What is a heavy jet and an ultra long range jet? How does that, how would you describe a heavy jet in the marketplace? So this is going to be a really subjective part of our conversation because <laughs> it seems now everybody has their own viewpoint on what's a heavy, what's a mid, is it by, you know, is it by the range of the jet? Is it by how many seats the jet has? Is it, is it by, you know, the size of the jet? So, uh, for me personally, you know, I classify airframes based off of uh, their range and then their seating capacity. So our ultra long range assets, our Gulfstream G5s, they can go over 6,000 nautical miles. That to me is ultra long range. Um, our heavy jet that we have in our fleet is a G4 and uh, it's, it's going about 4,300 nautical miles. Um, the Falcon 900 um, is a heavy jet to me. Uh, the Challenger 600 series is a heavy jet. Again, you're looking at that, you know, seven to, to eight hour range. Whereas with your ultra long range, you know, the big boys, um, you're looking at the G5, G6s, the Global Express. You're flying 10 hours or plus. That's your that's your mission profile. So I'm kind of curious, what's kind of the, the cusp or the edge of where somebody should go from a midsize or a light jet 
to a heavy jet? Like we talked a little bit about destinations, but you know, for yourself, uh, Minnesota to New York or something like that, I mean, we could get there in a light jet or a midsize jet. What are some of the advantages of going with a heavy jet from the operator side? Your, your heavy jet, your ultra long ranges are a bit more reliable, a bit more robust. There's just there's just more space for extra buttons and switches and, and systems, right? Uh, typically, so we see a lot more um, AOG support needed with the light jet, mid jet. That's not to say they're not built well, they're not safe, nothing like that, but that's also to say a light jet, you know, the aircraft, a light jet or a mid jet, it's gonna go up and down a lot more often. There's a lot more cycles put on that aircraft, which means life limited components, you're just creating a, a point of failure there. Whereas with an ultra long range or long range jet, you're you're typically looking at a six, seven, eight hour mission is what we prefer. And so there's one up, one down for eight hours in between. Whereas with, like you said, with your light jet, you know, your, your example, Minneapolis to the New York area, you're looking at two hours for your up and down. What are some of the challenges that you find with the heavy jets compared to the lights and the mids? The other side of the equation is then when things do break, when we do have a, a that's the point of failure, AOG support is a bigger deal because, you know, if you have, uh, you know, let's use an example, we're going LA to New York, right? That's a simple five and a half hour flight. Let's say you have 16 passengers though. If your 16 passenger flight breaks down for you to get a G4, G5, Global Express or a Falcon that can handle 16 passengers, it, there's a lot less opportunity there, right? Uh, to say, all right, we have another 16 passenger set jet sitting in the same area with a crew that's ready to fly that can do the mission that can be in budget it's a lot harder to find that whereas if you have four po four passengers doing like our example right minneapolis new york we can probably find three four five different aircraft to supplement if we had an aog issue what's the barrier to entry as far as pricing goes again i'm not an expert with heavy jets so a decent heavy jet. I mean, I, what what are we talking about price point wise? Barrier entry in terms of a cash position for a, for a Gulfstream, uh, a G five. You want to be in that you know nine and a half to eleven and a half million dollar range is where you're going to find an asset right now. Um, the G fours, you're going to be in that three and a half to six and a half million dollar range, uh, depending on again depending on age and stuff like that. The Global Express, so your classic Global Express, um, so pre-2003, 2004, you're probably in that same range as the G5, perhaps a little bit cheaper. Anything after, any any Global Express built after that, so your G, you know, your, not your G, I'm sorry, your, uh, your Global 6000, for example, you're going to just start tacking on about five, six million dollars. And that's just because of the avionics suite that's in it. Um, and then the same thing with the 550 market, right? So the 550 market versus the G5 market, you have a better avionics suite, you have a more modern interior. And so because of that, they're, they're catching about a $7 million premium right now on top. So to play in this world, we need at least three and a half million dollars. And we should really be looking, we should really would like to have at least $10 million to start playing in this world. Yeah, I think it was, um, Dr. Dre that said, if you can't afford two of them, you really can't afford it. So, so I'd say, I'd say if you're looking at a G4, make sure you have at least six to $12 million ready. What do the operating costs look like, you know, maybe on a per hour versus a per annum uh, basis? Typically for a, a G4, G5, your annual fixed costs are going to be between 1.8 and $2.2 million a year. Uh, that's what we see on average. 
that varies, you know, a little bit based off of um, pilot salaries or insurance requirements or, or what types of programs, right? So it does vary a bit. Um, and then your how you figure out your direct operating cost. I mean, everybody has kind of their own unique method. Uh, us as a charter operator, so when I figure out our our operating cost, I tack on uh, what's a reposition rate on top of our hourlies because when I'm doing this, uh, I'm creating a pro forma or, an, or a, an analysis for an investor or for somebody buying a jet. And I can tell them right now, hey, your asset's not going to be 100% effective. And so I bake that into their cost of business, their cost of operating, so that it's not a surprise, you know, a year down the road. So for us, we, we've, we assume that every 10 hours of flying, you're going to have between two and a half and three hours of flying that airplane empty to get it from point to point. Uh, in order to fly and service the next client or the next trip. So because of that, our direct operating cost typically falls within the, the five to $6,500 an hour range. So in a year, I mean, do these, these jets, what's normal for the heavies? Is it closer to, so for a light jet, if you're flying hundred, 200 hours a year, okay, you're stretching her legs, doing what she's supposed to do. What is kind of that good, that good range for a heavy jet to be flying on an annual basis? Uh, yeah, we try to fly our assets, uh, revenue rate about 800 hours live a year. Our, our aircraft typically fly between 1,000 and 1,100 hours a year with those repositions and with those owner flights built into it. And so for the year, you're paying about 2 million, 2.2 million for your fixed stuff that it's going to sit there no matter what. So you better be able to burn that and actually use it. We get into our DOCs or direct operating costs. So in a year, if you're flying 800 a uh, thousand hours a year. What do you think the all-in somebody should better be able to 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 blow on on their aviation budget? About eight million dollars. You're gonna buy yeah, it for you, yeah, you know, you're, six, you're, seven, eight million dollars, and you're gonna use it for six, seven, eight million dollars. Yeah, and then again, remember our intention is to earn enough revenue that the owner of the asset, the principal isn't feeling the burden of that entire $8 million. Right. So let's, let's get into the business model. So I have people call me all the time, Tom, I want to buy a private jet. I, I saw Grant Cardone's got a G650 ER. That's exactly what I want. And, uh, but I'm only going to use it maybe a couple of times, maybe once or twice a month to travel. I'd love to partner with a charter operator and see if I can offset my, my, you know, my, my expenses. What do you say to that person? What, tell us about the business model. How does that all work? Is it possible? What does that look like? How often do you fly? What are your, your, you know, your top five destinations that you go to? What's your typical passenger load? You know, because somebody, a, a client may come to us, like part of our job too, is to match the client with the best asset. So if they answer all those questions, they come to us and it, it makes sense for a heavy or an ultra long range, right? They want 10 plus seats every single time. They want to be able to go six, seven hours every single time. All right, now we're getting into that that ecosystem of a heavy or an ultra long range jet. Once we have that figured out, um, you know, our our candid conversation with our investors and our principals is this: you know, the first thing that we want to do with these assets for you is like I like I said before, we call it net neutral, right? That's my term for it. So we know that the asset is going to have its value, and we know that the entity buying the asset, the principal LLC, whatever it is they're gonna to try to get as much depreciation from it as possible. That's a bonus to them, that's helpful to them. What I wanna do is I wanna earn enough revenue for our clients that all of the ancillary flying that we spoke about, all those other, all those other um, fees, 
the direct operating costs, the fixed costs, those are covered. So the first thing first is they paid nothing for this jet year over year, including possibly, hopefully, cost of capital, right? And at the same time, they get to depreciate that asset against their passive income from other business ventures or whatever they may have. The second step for us then is to then look at what this client needs. If they come to us and say, hey, we're going to fly 100 or 150 hours a year. All right. In the charter market, you know, you're looking at hundreds of thousands or $200,000 of charter that you're spending each year. So now my goal is to take it one step further and create enough profit on the asset that our clients are flying for free, right? They're basically, they're using their airplane. That's the point of it. Please use it. We always tell them that. Um, and then we're, we're earning enough revenue and profit that we're not costing them anything. Right then and there, we've now given our client the benefit of the depreciation of the asset and we've given them their travel costs. So we've already given them a strong ROI. Then the last piece of this puzzle and the hardest part of any 135 operator out there is now we want to create profit for them above and beyond that. Right. So for us, if we can hit that 9 to 13% ROI from a, from a pure charter point of view, plus we get to give them that depreciation, plus we get to let them fly for free, all in, that's a solid ROI for them. What I find really interesting about charter operators is most will be completely transparent, just like you were and say, listen, like we're going to try to, you know, go net neutral. We're going to try to help them fly free. And then, you know, if we're lucky, we'll, we'll generate revenue. And some people will push back and be like, I've heard people say, giving your, giving your asset to a charter company is one of the dumbest things you could ever do. You know, oh, it's going to depreciate the asset. You're just going to burn money. They're going to charge you for everything, hidden fees. And I'm sure there's bad actors out there like that. But what fascinates me is the is the fact that operators still are striving for helping the client get more money. And maybe it's just a sales tactic. Tactic. But to be honest, the the, the operators I've spoken with, like trust them. I, I think you're a good person. And I think you really want to, to help the, the, the customer and the client, you know, generate income. What has your experience been with that the past two years? And I'm really ex uh, interested in what has your experience been with the ROI prior to COVID? And like, where do you think a reasonable person, you know, should expect the ROI to be for the next year or so? if they were to invest in a private jet and share it with an operator? Yeah, I think if you're going to take that approach and, and share that asset and put it on a 135 certificate, right? There, while all of that is true, what you said, right? It's gonna depreciate the asset faster uh, because there's gonna be more hours put on it, right? The, the straightaway benefit that if that charter company at a minimum can offset some of that cost, you're getting a benefit out of it. I mean, no matter what, this asset's going to cost you money, right? We already know that even if it's just on a 91 account, even if it's just managed by, like, a, say, a jet aviation or somebody like that, you're still paying money for this asset. You're still paying $2.2 million a year plus a management fee and everything that goes with it. So if a charter company can offset 10% of that, 20% of that, and not, and the, the cost benefit is, and not cause the asset to depreciate that fast, then, then you end up winning, right? Uh, as, as the owner of the jet. And if, and also what is your intention with the jet, right? I mean, 
there are tax benefits that come with having it on 135 Chevy as well. Like there's, there's flexibility in a lot of different ways than just putting it 91. And that's not for me as the operator. I mean, that's the way I look at it. That's not for me as the operator to be inside the principal's head. It's for me to lay out the, the map, the roadmap and the pathway to what is your goal? What is your mission? What's your objective? And then how do we best get there? Uh, I, I, I think, you know, before COVID, um, you know, it was a totally different time, right? Fuel was, was a bit more expensive. Um, and there was a lot more supply than there was demand. COVID kind of created this, this buzz of demand. People, you know, the, the top one, two, three percent of the world, their value, their wealth grew dramatically. And then after COVID, we saw they started spending that money. And so this demand for charter jets, whether it be a light jet or whether it be heavy, this demand really started to grow and supply has kind of stagnated because we've all heard this, right? Supply chain issues, supply chain issues, you know, the, the manufacturers, Embraer, Textron, Cessna, right? Gulfstream, they couldn't produce enough new aircraft fast enough to, to make up for the increase in demand in the charter market. And the other side is an, an entity like GAC, like ourselves, we take an asset-based approach to it. So we're not buying brand new airframes. We're not buying a $75 million global 7,500. We're taking an asset-based approach because again, it's cost of capital matters, especially with what interest rates are doing right now. And that, that helps you have a better ROI. And that's what we're focused on is how do we create that ROI for our clients and then to make a, a short story long, I guess, I would say if you can hit between an eight and 12% ROI for your clients with that asset, that's a good spot right now. You know, again, they, they're holding on to a hard asset um, that's, and they're getting that depreciation on top of it. So you factor that all together. I think it's, I think it's valuable. Well, Michael, I thank you so much for, for being here, helping to giving us some insight into the heavy jet market, pulling back the curtain on private aviation when it comes to heavy charters. Is there anything else you'd like to share about your organization or where can people connect with you to find out more? Global Air Charters, that's the name of the company. Uh, it's www.gac.aero, A-E-R-O. Um, and uh, yeah, you can look us up and uh, come find us. Um, it's been a pleasure to be here.